That's Chris Elsner, uh, coach at Linden High School. Last year's um, Women's Coach of the Year for the whole state of Washington. And a wonderful woman of God and just really builds unity into her players and into her teams. We got the chance to see her teams play several times in the last few years. And I would agree 100% that unity was just all over those teams. You could tell that they were very, very tight. So she came to our camp on day four and talked to the kids about teamwork and about unity. And that's what we want to do today. We want to talk about unity. And I don't know if you understand or have thought about how important unity is to Jesus and how important unity is to the church of Christ. So that's what we want to talk about today. You know, unity produces remarkable results. Like at Kids Place the last few weeks, you know, 193 volunteers coming together with our staff and ministering to almost 500 children, uh, you know, 29 kids coming to Christ. That was because of unity and hard work together and time committed. And it produced really, really amazing results, uh, along with, of course, the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Uh, Just like team sports, just like Linden Volleyball, just like any sport out there, church envelops hundreds of people. Like, look around the room today, probably about 500 people in the room today. Church envelops hundreds of people and dozens of ministries and missions I mean, the diversity of ministries in our church, just North County, is really crazy when you think about all the different things that you do for the kingdom of God. But make no mistake, Jesus is the unifying factor of all those ministries. Amen? Jesus is why we do what we do. Without Jesus, without the team captain, Jesus, it would be pointless. You know, and so really we rally around him. And we do what we do because of him. And we develop teamwork because of him. We put up with each other because of him. That's why we do what we do, right? Nothing else. And so each of us, and I want you to know this is true, each of us are called to unity in the church, in the body of Christ, in the family of God. That's his purpose for us because Jesus is building his body. And think about it this way. He's building his body, and you each are a part of his body. And Jesus wants unity in his body, not disunity. Think about Jesus' body flying apart, right? That's not good for Jesus. You know, he's the head, and he wants a solid body. So number one in your notes today, we are called to unify around Christ and his gospel. So beyond salvation, unity is the call of God to the Christian, to promote and to preserve oneness in the body of Christ. It's the very witness of the church to the community that we're in. When we divide, when we gossip, when we're haters of each other, when we're mean-spirited, it's not a good witness. The world says, we can do that, fine. Show us something we can't do, right? And what they can't do is unify around Christ. And so we get to show them what that's like. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. If you've got your Bibles, pull them out. Otherwise, follow along on the screen. This is Paul. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. So what could be worthy of your calling? For you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to, here it is, keep yourself Unified, right? Keep yourself united in the Spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. Binding yourselves together with peace. 
For there is one body and one spirit. You have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. That's a lot of ones in there, isn't it? Uh, You get the point, right? And Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. So here's what I want to say to you today, and this is so important that we understand this, that oneness is God's goal for us. Oneness beyond salvation, oneness is God's goal for us, becoming more and more unified in the Spirit. Why? Because we are Christ's body. And He wants us integrated, strong, not disintegrated and weak. So even though we have different passions, we have different ministries we're involved with, we have different seasons of life that we're in, we have different missions we're involved with, we have uh, different preferences in worship. Some of you would like more hymns. If that's you, say amen. Amen. See, I told you, there's some that would like more hymns. I would like more hymns. I grew up on the hymns, Becky. And that's not the Gaithers. <laughs> you know, even, even we're going to have different leanings doctrinally. We're not all going to be exactly on the same page doctrinally. We'll lean a little bit to the left or to the right doctrinally. But what holds us together is Jesus. That's why I love being part of a community church. The diversity in this room is astounding. If you knew all the backgrounds that I know in this church and where everybody comes from, you'd be amazed. All different kinds of backgrounds, but we unite around Jesus. And we do it to grow and strengthen his body. It's for him. Colossians 1, 17 says, He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Jesus is the holder together. Er. And so he wants us to be holder together er, as well. He does. That's what he wants. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. So we're his body. And the way that unity is accomplished is by strengthening and encouraging one another. Chris said it. It's making team about the other. And that's what unity, that's how we get to unity in the body of Christ, by not making life just about ourselves. Of course, we have to strengthen ourselves as well but really focusing on strengthening and encouraging the other. And how can we do that? Life is not just about me. Would you say that with me this morning? It'll be a revelation for some of you. (laughs) Life is not just about me. Now say it with conviction. Life is not just about me. You know, like, of course, we do things to strengthen our body, right? Our own personal body. We exercise maybe. We eat well, maybe. You know, we get some rest, hopefully. We stay healthy, hopefully. We do that to keep this physical body healthy. And it's all the more important to give yourselves to one another in the church because we're making the body healthy, you see? And the body's made healthy when we give ourselves to one another and we give ourselves to ministry and mission in the church. You know, I I could probably take a half hour and list all the things that you could do in the church, okay? And I know that many of you do great things in the community as well, but this morning we're talking about the church. Okay, so here's just a few. When you volunteer to hold babies in Blessing Place, or you do the community service day that's going to come up in October, or you just simply find someone and pray with them, or you help with Kids Place or the Anchor or Adventure Club, 
Or you go away like Oikos went away this weekend. That's the young adults. They went over the mountains to spend some time together. Or get involved with ladies' Bible studies. Or show up at the fire. You know, every time you involve yourself in ministry or in mission through the church, you're helping someone else grow. It's not just about you. In fact, you being here today is quite honestly probably helping someone be encouraged. They can't believe they saw you in church. So here you are. And just showing up. You got to encourage someone today. You know, the last time they saw you was in the bar, and so here you are, right? That's true for a lot of you here this morning. So every connection, here, get this, just like in the body, when we treat our bodies right and we grow the way we're supposed to grow, every connection you make in the body of Christ provides the body of Christ with connective tissue that helps to bind us together in the spirit and bind us together in love. When you withhold yourself from the body, you're withholding that connectiveness that only you can bring. Nobody can connect like you can connect in your special way. The body needs you. And so you got to find your way to do that for the body of Christ. You know, just coming together in the body of Christ this morning on a Sunday morning, everybody hearing the same message from the Word of God, giving our tithes to the same mission. You know, we can do so much more together than we can apart. Your giving, your financial giving, is impacting thousands of people here, but also all over the world. And you've got to remember that, and we do that together. And this harmonizes the church. This keeps us in harmony when we're all committed to giving Not just getting. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty strong authority, right? To live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Someone once said, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity or love. So in other words, we don't have to agree on everything, but there's one essential we must agree on, and that is Jesus Christ and his gospel. And we harmonize around him. I love harmony. I love harmony. Like, I'm never late to worship. I'm in the front row, ready to go. Three services on a Sunday, because I love to hear you worship I love to be a part of that harmony. And we're harmonizing around Jesus. We did it this morning. Lifting our voices. And what does harmony mean? Harmony means you add your voice to the hundreds of other voices and you blend in. Hopefully. You know, if you don't blend in, we're loud enough that nobody can hear you anyway and it doesn't matter. And the point is you don't stand out. You know, if we're singing a song and you start singing your own song or shouting out stuff, you're not blending anymore. So you want to blend with the body of Christ. It's a beautiful thing. You're singing a different part. You might be an alto or a bass or soprano. You're singing a different part, but you're joining in. And here's what we got to understand about harmony in the church, and that is that Jesus is our song. Jesus is the song that we're singing. I'm not talking about worship, you know, singing worship right now. I'm talking about our, about our life in the body of Christ. Jesus is the song that we sing. And we harmonize around him and we lift our lives to him. And what is that song? It's the song of his death. 
It's a song of his resurrection. It's a song of the forgiveness of our sins. It's a song about the fact that he, he redeems our lives. That means he buys us back even when we've been in the toilet. Jesus buys us back and then he uses us for his glory, something we could never have done on our own. It's a beautiful song. From ruin and wreckage, we come to this place with Jesus where he has something for us, something that we can do. And so we unite around this gospel because the gospel has the power of God unto salvation. And the thought and the purpose that Paul's talking about here in Corinthians is that we're united in knowing Jesus and making him known. That's what unites us, to worship him, to glorify Christ. Harmony happens when we focus on Jesus and his gospel. And that's what we're all about at North County Christ the King. That leads us to number two this morning. Number two, we're also unified when we love and care for one another. How many of you love a little love? There I am, saying it again, you know. Love, love, love. One of the greatest expressions of unity in the body of Christ is simply to love one another. And care for one another. And that doesn't mean the church has to tell you to do that or you have to join the care team or anything like that. It's just life. And you guys do this so well. We often don't even hear about needs for care because you've already taken care of them. I love that about you. Helping someone when someone needs help. Making someone a meal. You know, just this last week, uh, Justin and Andrea's little boy, Liam, took a fall. And many of you know about it. It was all over Facebook. It was very... Uh, it was a hard fall. He went into Harborview, got airlifted, uh, 50 stitches in his head. They had to relieve the pressure and all that. And he's home. He's home now, running around. I saw him this week. And so Elisa called uh, Andrea and said, hey, you know, we'd like to help with meals. What can we do? And she said, well, I'm on a meal train, but it's full. You can get on the waiting list if you want. Isn't that great? I love the waiting list. I love that there's a waiting list for meals for somebody, to help somebody. Isn't that an awesome testimony of our community? Not just our church, but her family and all kinds of people. So helping one another, being in fellowship, just being in fellowship with one another, even in our differences. Do you know that if you're married, you know this, that you don't have to agree on everything and you can still get along? How many of you know if you're married, you know you don't agree on everything, right? But you still get along. You do. You work out the differences, and it's true in the church. How does that happen? Acts 2, 42. Here it is. They devoted themselves. This is the new Christians, the thousands that had come to Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, let's unpack this scripture a little bit. There's some significance to it. Notice that the progression of this text begins with they were devoted to God's word. They were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. And and I want to say today, teaching is great. I listen, listen to podcasts. I love different teachers. You know, there's different guys out there that I really connect with. And I listen to them. But that doesn't necessarily promote unity in your local church. It's great teaching. It's great growth for you, but unity comes when everybody's together, like this, in one place, and we all hear the same message from the Word of God, 
And our church is led by the Spirit of God who directs us in teaching and in sermon series. We listen hard to try to hear what the Lord is saying for this moment. And so there's a word from the Lord for our church, the local church at North County Christ the King, like there is for First Reform, like there is for Faith Community, Sunlight, Sunrise, First, Second, Third, Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Christian Reform Church, like there is for all of them. There's a word from the Lord for the local church for the season that we're in. And when we all come under that, then God does this unified work in our hearts that we all begin to live out of. That's why we gather on Sundays, to worship together and to grow together in God's Word. That's where it begins, okay? But then the church lives it out. It's about what God is doing this week in North County Christ the King. Not what is God doing at North Point in Georgia or Life Church all over the world, but it's oneness. What is God doing here? Again, I'm not minimizing at all the podcasts. I love them. I listen to them. I read their books. But I'm saying that for the local church, and this is true all over the world, you know, our church, churches in India aren't going to benefit from what we're talking about this morning. They're going to do what God's telling them to do in India under persecution, right? Same is true here. So what is God doing in us right now in Whatcom County? There's a unity when we grow together and we work together as one body. And then we can also lend ourselves to the other local bodies in our community, but all over the world, which we do. So let's go on. How does this work? Ephesians 4.11. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people and do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue, here it is, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord. That doesn't mean head knowledge up here. It means living out what God has led us to do as a church, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I want you to notice, Paul says, we become mature. It's a body maturity. It's not individual maturity, although that's important too. Okay. So what does unity produce? Unity produces maturity. The more unified we are around Christ, the more mature we will become because unity expresses itself through loving and caring. And the more loving and caring we become, the more mature we become. The more fellowship that we have together, the more mature we become. Let's take it forward to verse 44, Acts 2. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. This is the first recorded yard sale. (laughs) Right there. So the Bible is saying yard sales are good. They're biblical. Right? People were selling their belongings and they were sharing with one another the proceeds. Craigslist. You know, whatever you want to call it. I got to tell you, just an aside here, now that I'm a grandpa, I have a whole new interest in yard sales. I have discovered toys again on a whole new level. And from the time when I was a kid and my kids were, were kids to the time that, you know, that, uh, what's her name? Trilby. Yeah. You know, that granddaughter I love, you know, <laughs> old age, honey. Um, toys have changed. Toys have changed. There's some great stuff out there. 
And I love it, you know. So now that I'm a grandpa, I've discovered toys again. Yard sales are great. It's a great way of caring for one another. A couple of months ago, Liz and Tyler DeZeo uh, put on a garage sale. And I, I would like to say they put it on. They had dozens of people helping them put it on. And dozens of people, if not more, gave possessions to this yard sale that happened right over in uh, over there in the anchor and gave them, them their stuff because the purpose was so awesome. The purpose of this yard sale was to unite together around the bringing home of another baby to the DeZeo family, an adoption. And the purpose of giving their stuff and sharing their stuff was unity around this goal, around this project. And they were blessed. And the people who gave were blessed. They were blessed because they got to clean out their garages. How many of you know that's a blessing? All the men said, amen, right? Why does the garage become... Oh, never mind. Never mind. I'm not going to say that. I'll be in big trouble. And so we're blessed by the giving. And people who buy the stuff benefit from the yard sale because they get cheap stuff. And it's good stuff. It's a wonderful Linden thing, you know? Good Dutch shopping. And best of all, best of all, another child will come into a forever family and we'll get to learn about Jesus. And we'll get to be loved and raised. All of this is motivated by Unity, oneness, loving, caring. This is the natural outcome of us being in fellowship together and growing in God's word together. Love for one another. Love and care is how maturity is measured. Love and care is how maturity is measured. You know, Bible knowledge doesn't mean much if you don't love and care for people. Read 1 Corinthians 13. Bible knowledge doesn't count for much. It counts. But not for much if you don't love and care for people. You know, it's love. And, you know, Paul said knowledge makes us feel important, but it's love that strengthens the church. I say it like this. You can tell me all you know. What matters more is how you show. How you show what it is that you know. How you show love by sacrificially giving of yourself to the care and and the help to those people that are in your lives and specifically through the church. Now, in the first church here in Acts, there was no care ministry. You know, we have a care ministry here at North County. And, uh, you know, people give money to the care ministry. And then we help those in need around the community. And I love it. It's a wonderful, wonderful way of meeting needs. But in the first church, they didn't have a care ministry. They just did it. Like Nike. They just did it, right? Nobody was telling them they should meet each other's needs. And I love you because I know you do this too. That's why we don't hear about needs all the time. They just loved and took care of each other. It's incredibly unifying to be in a community and a church that loves and cares for one another. I love it. I am proud in a very biblical way to be a pastor of this church because I watch you and I hear about you and I know what you're doing around the scenes. And, you know, I don't talk about it openly because I don't want to steal your blessing. Just once in a while, I I have to. I have to say something when it's, it's just calls for it, right? But incredibly unifying to be in a community that loves and cares the way that you love and care. And and I want to encourage you as a church this morning that I see and hear about these things all the time that are happening through your lives. And thank you. Thank you for the way that you love and care for people. And that builds tremendous unity in the church. Number three, finally, we're unified when we worship and fellowship together. When we worship and fellowship together together. Let's take this Acts chapter 2 forward, verse 46. 
And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. Okay, I want you to break this down. Day by day, they attended the temple together. Okay, that's church for them. These were the Jewish converts. They were still going to the temple. Uh, What had changed was that their Messiah had come. Okay? They're breaking bread together in their homes. They're eating together. They're hanging out. They're fellowshipping together. And then they're praising God. They're blessing God. And they're finding favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I don't know what you think the church of Jerusalem was, but it was a very large church very quickly. You know, after the day of Pentecost, Peter went out and preached the gospel, and thousands of people came to Christ. And those are the people that began to go to the temple and worship together. You know, they had been going to the temple as Jews. But this was no small church. This was a megachurch in Jerusalem, at least until persecution hit really hard, and then there was the dispersion, and the Jews went all over the known world. But during this time, they went to church together, or temple, and they worshiped God, And then they hung out in homes, and homes were small. They weren't big homes like we have, where you can fit 50 or 100 people in your home. These were small homes, probably one or two bedrooms, and then maybe a little barn or stable built on. You know, the the cows kept the people warm at night. And so these these were small homes. And so we can assume that this large group of worshipers divided up into smaller clumps. They clumped together. And my guess is that they clumped together in, in natural groups. And I think that's the best way. I think finding your natural groupings and clumping together is the best way. Maybe some relatives, uh, but maybe some friends. And they'd get together, they'd walk to the temple, they'd worship together, and then they'd gather in homes for food and for fellowship. And I want to tell you the difference between fellowship and friendship. Friendship is just anybody in the world. Anybody can be a friend and go do things, hang out together, right? That's friendship. Fellowship is friendship around Christ. It's friendship around his strength. It's friendship around his forgiveness. It's friendship and oneness in the Holy Spirit. That's what fellowship is. It's different than friendship. It's this accepting of one another in Christ and making allowance for each other's faults. That's what fellowship is. And it's called community. Community. Have you ever thought about the word community? Commune together, right? Commune together. That's what community is. We need community. Every one of us needs A community. Every one of us needs another two or three people in our life that we can trust, that we can be with, that we can share life with. Every one of us needs a group of Christian, of fellowship friends that we can count on in our time of need. And even more importantly, who can count on us? You know, if we're focused on giving, then that really becomes the motivation for community. It's not even what I can get when I need my piano moved. Who am I going to call? But it's rather what I can give. That's the right way to think about the reasons or the motivation why you would get into community. Why you would get into a small group. Why you you would meet with people once a month or twice a month for fellowship, for food, and for prayer. It's because at some point those people will need you. And they're going to call you. And everybody needs to be needed. Counselors will tell you, therapists will tell you that one of the best remedies for depression is to go out and serve people, find places to serve. It takes our eyes off of ourself and more onto people around us, right? Everybody needs to be needed. So clumping together with people you enjoy, don't, don't, 
You know, don't do it with people you don't like. Let me just put it bluntly. That's no fun. And it won't last. You'll last two or three months. You know, and then you'll make excuses about why you have to leave a small group. You know, so really get together with people that you know and trust and that you love. And let that become your community. And if you're new to town and you don't know who to clump with, uh, give me a call. I'll see if I can help you clump. You know, or we'll find some other clumpers. And, and we will... You know, we'll make it happen for you. A lot of people new to town, and they really, honestly, they don't know who, who to fellowship with and, and call us. You know, this fall we're going to do another connections group where Dave's going to get some people together. Anybody interested in small group and you don't know who to meet with, we're going to do that for you. Uh, so we'll help you do that. You know, we live in such a separate culture. A few weeks ago I talked about the garage door culture, right? Up and in and down, Right? We live in a separate culture where we tend to not commune. This was a natural thing for the Jewish culture. They, they were communal. But we're not that way, and so we have to work a little harder at becoming communal people, uh, sharing life with one another, becoming family with one another. It's a little harder work because we're just not, our minds aren't made that way. We're very separate. We live in the Northwest because we're pioneers, right? We're independent. We moved here. For a reason. We wanted more space. We wanted mountains. We wanted the ocean. You know, and so here we are. But as followers of Christ, separateness is like cancer. Like cancer is to the body, to the human body, separateness is to the body of Christ. And when you hold yourself back from the body of Christ, it produces disunity in the body because there's a place for you in the body of Christ. Selfishness, just living for me will cause cancer in the body of Christ. Gossip, saying negative things about people behind their back or about the church is, is cancer. Disloyalty, you know, when, when someone's been good to you and, and you're disloyal to them, that's like cancer in the body. I hate cancer. I hate it with a passion. It has robbed so many families of life and of potential. And the same is true of the body of Christ. Separateness robs the body of Christ of potential. How many people are in ministry today and mission today that one day held themselves back from becoming connected and now they're connected and God has just opened them up and caused them to bloom in the body of Christ? It's beautiful. It's a wonderful thing. So Jesus wants oneness. He wants us strong. He wants us united. That's what he prayed for. Let me leave you with this prayer today that Jesus prayed as he was getting ready to leave the planet Jesus prayed this prayer, but not just for the people that he was with. He prayed this prayer for you. And you can find yourself in this prayer. Okay? So let me pray it, read it to you this morning. Here's Jesus. Father, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. There you are. We're still believing in Jesus through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I'm in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me. That's the Holy Spirit. So they may be one as we are one. I'm in them and you're in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them 
as much as you love me. You see, the world is looking on. The world is watching. The world wants to know what's different about the church. What's different about somebody having the Holy Spirit? What's different about having Christ? They want to know, and they're watching. And Jesus' prayer for us was that we would experience perfect unity, that we would be one. And we are one, spiritually speaking. We are one. That's the fact. That's the truth. Everybody who's in Christ is one in the body, but that we would act as one. That even though we're vastly different, we would be one in Him. It is so glorifying to Christ when the church is drawn together by purpose, by mission, by ministry, by, by the idea that we can love and care for one another, that we can make a difference in one another's lives. It's so good for us. Why? Because we are made for oneness. You are designed for oneness. Sin broke that design. And so now part of our story in Christ is coming back to our original design and intent for our lives is that we would be one for one another, for Jesus, to glorify Him. And it proves to watching world that there's a God who loves us and sent Jesus to save us. As we close today, here's the application. Okay, Many of you today are already giving yourselves to ministry. You're giving yourselves to mission. You're here on Sundays. All of you are here on Sunday. Uh, you're giving your tithes. You're giving your money so that we can do the ministry that we do. All of that is important and good. Uh, maybe you're involved in a ministry. Um, but I want to just challenge you this morning. Is there something more for you? You should never become stale in what you do. Now, if God's still calling you to what you do, then stay there. Do what you do. But always be listening and asking the Lord, is there something else? Is there something I need to give myself to? Is there something new that I need to do? Are you calling me? Are you placing a new passion in my life? Have I been thinking about something more than usual? Is there a people group that I'm interested in? You know, God, what, what is it that you want to do in me? And I want to challenge you today that that is so healthy. I'm always asking the question, God, what's next? Or what's tomorrow? Or what do you want me to do? What new ministry do you want, to help, want me to help develop here at North County? God, what's next? And so I want to challenge you as individuals to ask God this week, God, is there something else that I should do? Fair enough. Is that good? Is that a good ask? All right. So let's bow our heads together. Worship team is going to come. We'll close with a song. But I want to pray that over you today, that you would just be open to hear from God about what might be next for you. Lord Jesus, today as we bow our heads, again, we remember that you gave it all for us, Lord. And your word really says that we are now your slaves. We're no longer slaves to sin. You broke the bondage of sin in our lives, but but we became slaves to you, voluntary slaves, because we want to, Lord. We want to serve you. We want to do what you've called us to do and be, be who you've called us to be. So, God, continue to bring to life those passions in us. Continue to help us hear you for the next thing, the next ministry, the next change in ministry, or bearing down and becoming more effective in what you've called me to do already. God, what is it you have for me? Help me to honestly and openly listen to you this week. And God, as we give our tithes and offerings, help us remember today, we're not just throwing money at the church. God, we are giving to a mission. We are giving to ministry. We're giving to purpose and focus. 
And we thank you for what you are doing with our finances here and around the world. And we give you praise for every salvation, for every person being discipled. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Would you stand with me? Let's close. We're going to give our tithes and offerings to the mission and ministry of North County Christ the King and to Jesus. Let's worship.